to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. So today I, I, I have a message title. It's called The Honor of the Journey. And um, for those of you taking count, I'm probably going to say the word journey 800 times today. Um, so if you need to turn it into a little fun game, you snap it. No, don't do that. But <laughs> uh, Which is <laughs> too late. Um, this, this message is, has been different for me, um, the way that it's come together. It feels less linear than it does kind of like having a conversation, except, you know, you guys don't talk and I talk. It's weird. But we're just, we're going to amble through because what is a journey if not, it's kind of unpredictable. Lots of different things happen. We're going to talk through a lot of the things that happen on our journey. Everyone in this room right now is on a journey of some kind, be it valley, mountain, or somewhere in between. Um, I was going to do a fun thing where I show you guys a picture of Jeremy Shuck in high school to show you that even <laughs> everybody can get, <laughs> wherever you are, there's a glow up process. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I got his permission to show you this, but I'd like to direct you to the pink red hair and the dog color. And Jin's ears in this room are probably like, where can I get that outfit? Wow. Because for some reason, fashion is cyclical. <laughs> Bless us all. Anyway, I'm pretty sure we, uh, we should just leave that up the entire time. Oh. <laughs> he tells jokes, I show embarrassing photos. The retaliation may be swift, that's okay. Um, if you have your Bibles or your digital Bibles, can you guys turn to James 1, 2? James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Guys, say many kinds. Many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Many kinds. Life is not just one journey. It's many journeys. <laughs> it's one big journey with many journeys in between, right? And um, there's not a single biblical hero in the Bible that didn't have to go through a process, didn't have to go through a journey. And so I want to talk about, again, those things that come up during this process. Um, Jeremy and Rafi, they started writing this song this last year during our song labs that we had. And this line that they wrote goes, um, the mountain's only beautiful because you can see the valley from the heavens because there's something really beautiful about wanting to get to that mountain, wanting to get to that mountain and getting at the top. And then what are you looking at? You're looking at where you've been. So let's talk about some of the things that happen when we're trying to get up there, right? Sometimes we can micromanage the journey, which just means that we're trying to work the process instead of letting the process work us which is also known as we're trying to work God instead of letting God work us. And that's what Pharisees do. They create a formula that if I can do X, Y, and Z, 
then the pain can stop. Um, I once went through two very hard seasons back to back. And you know how it is, like when you get through a hard season and you taste the fresh air of like, oh my gosh, it might be lessening. You start to feel a little bit of like, you start to kind of like be able to let your guard down a little bit. And then wham, came another season that was really, really hard. And what I started realizing during that second season, which was that I was trying to utilize the keys that had gotten me through the first season in the second season because I was trying to turn my victory, the tools that God had given me, into a formula rather than letting him walk me through the process. He wasn't looking for an exit sign. He was looking for a way to walk with me. Um, hmm. Here are some signs that you may be micromanaging. We use pre-made boxed answers when it comes to pain. It is hard to sit in mystery when we can't explain something. Um, I was sitting right here in this chair over here um, in this room three years ago when I got a text that my sister had stopped breathing. And over the next week, a lot of well-meaning people wanted to give me really simple answers for something that was really complicated and mysterious and hid it in the heart of God. Another sign is we rush past pain. Not many of us were raised uh, to really understand what we're feeling in a moment. A lot of times we go through the process of, of pain or, or a journey, and um, we can't really identify what it is that's going on in us. We haven't really been taught to stop and say, what am I feeling? And then to go further and say, what do I need? and then to ask the Lord, where are you? These three questions have become vital in my walk and journey with the Lord. As things, because as things come up in our lives, as they become opportunities for freedom. That's what triggers are. They're, they're there to let you know that something's not okay and there's actually an opportunity to get free. Something else that we do is we don't know how to rest. We keep busy so that we don't have to notice or feel for very long. If I can just stay busy enough, if I can do enough for God, that's the holy version of, of avoiding pain, doing God stuff. Um, another sign of micromanaging is we want to police the process of others. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, so the question is, what does it look like to let the process work me? Uh, and for that, let's go to Romans 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, starts with rejoice. Rejoice, brothers, for we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. If you're not in hope yet, he's not done. Or what happens when the outcome doesn't look like what we expected, what we wanted, 
He's not done. I love these two verses, James 1 and, and, and Romans 5. They're like, they're like sibling verses to me. And I love that they have so many, so many layers to them, which also speaks to the fact that, that your process of processing is a journey. Trust is, uh, I have this proposal for you. Trust is only built through conflict. Because you can really enjoy me and think that I'm awesome. But until I have the opportunity to be close enough to you to let you down and we process it and get on the other side together, you don't know if I'm safe or not. God did this with Moses. He did it with Ezekiel. He's like, he gives them a task to go do and they're like, how do I know that I've done it or I'm in your will? And he's like, you'll know when you're done. You'll know it when you're worshiping on the mountain at the end of everything I told you to do. Why? Because history, trust, is created through conflict. There is no substitute for history with people. So there's the verse that says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Who's the word of God? Jesus. And so when we're hearing Jesus, when we are remembering Jesus, when, like Liz said, we are, we are speaking out our testimonies of our victories in Jesus, it creates what? Faith. We've heard it, and it becomes produced within us. The power of our testimony. Well, and sometimes we make a mess, and sometimes we go back around a mountain, and some people would say, well, we are Christians who have the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't we be better? So there was this guy who walked with Jesus called Peter. And he walked with Jesus, God in the flesh, for three years, every day. And even Jesus said, who do, the, who do you say I am? He said, you are Messiah. But then when it came time to stand by Jesus, Peter manifested a raging fear of man. And then he's beautifully restored by Jesus, God in the flesh. You guys, most of us would love to have five minutes with Jesus in bodily form, okay? He got three years. And he's restored beautifully by Jesus. The Catholics consider Peter the first pope. I learned that last year. Very cool. <laughs> but then in Galatians, Paul calls out Peter for stopping eating with the, with the Gentiles and only eating with the Jews because of a fear of man. Jesus and Holy Spirit didn't fix that? There's an honor of going on a journey. I have this metaphor that I like to use. Have you guys ever, have you ever been in the kitchen and dropped a glass? Anyone dropped a glass in the kitchen? You know you're going to be there a while. 
Because you don't just like pick it up. You don't even just sweep it up. You got to get out a mop and a vacuum because if you leave one little sliver, it's going to hurt like heck. And not only that, but like a month later, you're going to find pieces of it in the living room. <laughs> it travels really, really far. For me, I use it as a metaphor for pain, for trauma. Because a lot of times it doesn't get totally gone in the first swoop. You get most of it. But sometimes there's these little bitty slivers that need further passes to pick up. And it's funny how those tiny little slivers can actually be more painful than the bigger pieces. And then sometimes you realize that this pain or this trauma, this piece of your past or your journey is over in a whole different area of your life, popping up its head going, hey, I'm over here too. King David processed with the Lord so beautifully. That, I mean, it, it's more than you can find anyone else in the Bible. And what I love about his Psalms is you have a lament Psalm right next to a victory Psalm. He wasn't afraid to live in tension with the Lord. In fact, it actually gained him the title of friend of God. In Psalm 126, which is not a David psalm, but I love that it says, those who sow with tears will reap with shouts of joy. You got to sow the tears to reap the joy sometimes. Sometimes we don't feel seen in our journey. We feel hidden. We feel unfavored, unloved. And a lot of times that's because we have been planted deep, dark, down, deep like a seed, where it's safe for us to collect nutrients and to grow strong. Roots grow down first, right? Roots grow down, and then you get to see the sun. One of my favorite stories is of Winston Churchill. Anyone heard of Winston Churchill? He was the prime minister during World War II. He wrote a letter at 15 years old telling his mom, one day I'm going to save England. And he did. He was obsessed with, with government. His father was in government. All he wanted to do was to be in government. He studied endlessly strat war strategy and history. He, tr he went and became a war hero unto getting into government. They used to tell stories of him walking in front of the lines so that he could get injured, so that he could go back and then become in government. <laughs> he was a character. And as you can imagine, his peers did not like him. No. And actually, during World, uh, World War I, he made a, str a strategic mistake that cost many men their lives. And he was actually tossed out of government. For 10 years, he tried getting back in. 10 years. He would write his wife and say, maybe I should quit. But during those 10 years was the time in which Hitler began rising to power. And outside of government, Winston Churchill was the only person who had the freedom to say whatever he wanted about Hitler. Everyone in government was getting tainted by becoming what they called appeasers. And so after 10 years, when the parliament, everybody had kind of been tainted by this appeasing, and it was clear that war was coming, 
they actually had a lunch where they sat around and they were like, oh no. You know, the only person that we can call. Oh. And they called Winston Churchill, who almost single-handedly helped this tiny island of England hold off German forces until the Americans get into the war. Wow. Can you imagine if he hadn't been pulled out of government for those 10 years? Sometimes we're like, I can't hear God. I'm on this journey and I can't hear him. I heard uh, Lou Engel once talk about the book of Esther and he said, do you know that the word of God or the name God is never mentioned once in the book of Esther? He said, how, how encouraging for us when we can't hear. It's like that, that point back in Romans when it's talking about perseverance. About persevering and being faithful even when we don't think we can hear. And then maybe we get onto the mountain. We finally made it. There's this um, story I love called Hind's Feet on High Places. Has anyone read the allegory, Hind's Feet on High Places? Um, there is this young girl called Much Afraid, and she wants to go up to the height of the mountain. And the good shepherd has said that he'll take her there. She can go. And he gives her these, but he gives her these two companions. Do you guys remember the names of the companions? They were sorrow and suffering. And he said, if you hold, their, if you hold both of their hands and hold tight to them, you'll be able to get to the mountain faster. But it was so painful. And they spoke this language that actually was painful for her to hear. But every time she let go, something would happen to come and kind of attack her. And it was this moment, though, when she gets to the, the base of this mountain, she's holding their hands, and she realizes the pain is lessened, and she's starting to understand their language. Um, I was talking about the glass earlier. Um, all that glass that kind of gets picked up, I don't believe it gets thrown away. I don't think it gets wasted. Have you guys ever been to an older church and seen like a stained glass window? Where all this beautiful glass has had to be broken in order to be put back together to tell a story? Getting on that mountain, it's important for us to learn how to rest, but it's also important for us to learn how to help other people get up there. And then at some point, we start dreaming again about going back down into the valley to conquer a different mountain. Which can lead to more messiness. So I want to talk about extended seasons of messiness. Ooh, has anyone ever been in an extended season of messiness where you're kind of afraid that you won't be normal again? Or you miss the person that you know you actually are. You meet people during that season, you're like, this is not the real me. The real me is happy and joyful and doesn't cry all the time and isn't mean. Or I call it sharp. My, it's just a tidy way of saying sometimes I get um, wordy to my husband. Um, 
But this last year, I mean, some of you who've been around for a while, you guys know there was a huge victory in my family. My dad at 62, he went to rehab for the first time ever, admitted he was an alcoholic for the first time ever. It's been amazing. But in that process, I found myself moments where there's mourning or there's, there's triggers coming up and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm feeling all these things. And you know, we were prepared for relapses, but there have been relapses. There have been many relapses. And through those processes, my, it's like my body immediately responds to it and, and needs to process it. And it's messy. And then there's shame that wants to come in because it's like, we've been around this mountain. I know better. I know the Lord. I know how he shows up in my life. I've done so much work to become emotionally healthy and safe and work on these the Lord was so kind, and he, he took me to the story of Joseph, who was a young man who had a serious trauma by being sold into slavery by his own family. And then he gets put in various situations under different levels of maturing leadership, and he stewards his heart well. He's honoring of people. He makes good choices. And you see it help him rise all the way to where he, he becomes the calling that God gave him. And he, he is walking in the dreams that he had that actually sent him into slavery. There's a redemption story in that. And then his family shows up. Y'all know where I'm going. And he can't escape the trauma of his childhood despite the fact that he is called, that he is walking in the things that he's supposed to, that he's made all the right choices. There's no escaping the process. And when it shows up, it means there's freedom present. There's an opportunity to find hope and freedom. I want to encourage anybody that's in a season of extended messiness that you won't always feel this way. I say it because even though you may know it, you need to hear it. It won't be this way always. Um, sometimes we need to learn to trust again. Uh, I, I had someone recently ask me the question. Um, they were coming out of some church hurt. And they said, um, is your church safe? And I said, no. <laughs> That's not what God promised. Um, I... <laughs> I try, don't hear, me, hear what I am saying. I, I, uh, our heart is to be a safe place, a place where messes can get processed well. But it's also, I hope that this is a place where you can get hurt and you get processed well and you get healing in that place and it creates vulnerability and trust and community and family. Because that's, that's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble, 
but I have overcome the world. Do you remember in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Susan finds out that they're going to see a lion and she says, is he safe? And the beaver says, of course not, but he's good. Hmm. Our church is in transition, which means that it could get a little messy. That's why I'm so glad that I'm not the leader he is. Why did the disciples act so dumb and ask so many stupid questions? Because they could. Because his love, it was, it was this all-consuming, you can, you can act stupid and I'm still going to love you kind of love. Unconditional, we all, too many of us, we have not had an experience with unconditional love. An experience with that God who won't give up on you through people that won't give up on you. Um, in your journey, you may need help. Even Jesus had help carrying the cross. Um, I, love, I love that a lot of uh, journeys happened with Jesus and the disciples in boats. Um, you know, you have, you have the time when the storm was raging and they're all freaking out and Jesus is sleeping. And they wake him up and he calms the storm. And I heard someone uh, very prophetic once say, he's like, well, then they had to row. <laughs> Who knows if the storm you're going through is propelling you to the next thing I tell people all the time, I had three kids under three because God knew that was the fastest way to develop my character. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that came out of me during those few years. But in Mark 6, 48, um, is the story of Jesus walking on the water. But he, he sends them out on a boat... And he goes to pray. And then he comes out and he sees they're struggling. He keeps praying. And then he goes and walks on the water. And it says he intended to pass them by <laughs> until they called out to him. In both of these boat stories, there was a calling out to him and inviting him in. He will calm it. He's good. But sometimes there is treasure to be mined in the storms. <clears throat> sometimes we need the mess. And if we could do it perfectly, all by ourselves, we wouldn't need Holy Spirit. If you could be the perfect parent to your kids... They wouldn't need Jesus. Is God love? Yeah. Is love powerful? Have you ever tried loving someone who's hurt? It's not very easy. 
It's like in that moment, love doesn't feel as powerful as we know that it is. And this, uh, Jeremy talked about the prodigal son a few weeks ago. And uh, in this story, you have a young man who has a problem. And he thinks that problem is, I'm not happy because I don't have money. Or I'm not happy because I can't do what I want. And so he says, Dad, give me all my inheritance. And his dad says, of course. And he goes out and he squanders it until he gets to the point where he realizes, I'm unhappy because I don't have money. <laughs> I'm unhappy because I can't do what I want. So he starts to work for somebody until it, it finally hits him. It says he came to himself and, and he realizes, my dad's good. And he knows his dad is good because his dad's always been good. The revelation, the repentance moment that's happening is a realignment of his understanding that his dad's always been good. And he's like, oh, I'm, well, I'm just going to go low. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nothing. I'm going to go back as nothing. But that's not how the dad treats him, is it? Like, how important is it for us to understand that the dad has always been good? There's this, it's what I, Jeremy and I like to call a slow burn love. And love is a slow burn. It's not that, um, you know, hot ticket thing where you come in and you're like, love, bam, bam, bam. No, love is steady. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is steadfast. It's the steady thing that, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not sexy. Like real love real unconditional love, it looks like staying steadfast until someone realizes that feeling. I want to go back to that feeling. I've known it before. Rafi, do you mind coming and playing? I want to pray for us. Because the truth, truth be told, you're probably on an awesome journey. There are people in this room that are on their best day, they're on their worst day. There's a whole gambit. And I wanna celebrate the people that are on the mountain. I really do. We've got an incredible testimony going on in our own lives right now. There's this song that Jeremy wrote uh, like seven years ago. And uh, the song is called uh, Can't Outrisk Your Faithfulness. And five years ago, on a wing and a prayer and that song and a testimony and prophetic words, we set out to go and plant a church in California. And it fell apart. And I looked at Jeremy and I told him, I said, you were never allowed to sing that song again. <laughs> there may have been stronger language. But it was during a season of brokenness where I told him, I feel like I have outrisked his faithfulness. I went, I went to the edge and I fell off the side. And so we didn't sing that song for a while. And then this last year, a good friend of his started to sing that song. 
and recorded that song. And then we found out a few weeks ago that an artist, a recording artist from California, wants to sing that song. So the redemption of us going and planting and sowing in tears in California is now reaping with shouts of joy. It's cool, right? Capitol Records is releasing this song. It's crazy. But that was seven years ago, you know? So when I tell you hope does not put us to shame, that's my testimony to share with you. But everybody in here has a testimony of something like that. And we need to hear those testimonies. The people in your world and your small groups need to hear those testimonies. So would you guys stand with me? Father, I pray for every single person in this room. Whether their journey feels dark and in the shadow or their journey right now is feeling the wind at their back on the top of that mountain. I pray for faith to rise up in this room. I pray for warriors who can look at the things ahead of us, they can look at the valley of the shadow and it can shout to it who their God is. I pray God for testimonies to become a spirit of prophecy in this room. Jesus, we pray right now for your blessing on your people. God, I ask that this would be a room full of people of, of victories, of testimonies. Holy Spirit, there would just be history makers in this room. Testimonies that would create testimonies that would create testimonies. In Jesus' name.